0: I'm here today with my good friend, Jim Minarek. He is the chairman of DEI Holdings and also the chairman and founder of Forte for Children. And we're just going to hang out with him and talk to him. Jim, Welcome. Thanks, Welcome Art. Welcome to the conference. Great to have you here. Great to be here. You're going to get up here in a little bit and uh, add value to the team, and we're looking forward to that. So, um, what, uh, what has hit you at the conference so far? Well,
1: First, the, the general quality of the speakers is just outstanding, and whether it's uh, been Charles Hazelwood, had some great stories to tell about conducting orchestras and being a leader, and bringing the best out of all the individual contributors in the orchestra um, right along. I I think the common theme of recognizing first that in our leadership roles, we're dealing with human beings and not with human doings. And I think that's always a a good reminder for all of us. Certainly as a recovering CEO, uh-huh. something that I've been working on a lot in my journey.
0: So let's go down that path. You're, Jim, you're in that, uh, that season. Now you've kind of stepped away. As you used to be the CEO of, of uh, uh, DEI Holdings. So uh, just share with everybody what's, what, what, that, what is that like? And uh, what do you see in your future? And uh, um, how, how's that going for you?
1: Yeah, well, I've, I've worked uh, for the past 25 years as a CEO and, and actually 40 years as an executive in a, in a variety of businesses, and I loved all of it. Um, I always like to say I never backed up to the pay line. I did my best to see that I was contributing, um, but uh, I have spent many, many years waking at 4.30 or 5 a.m. and Pretty much working until seven or eight at night, weekends. And it's always with you as a CEO, as you know very, very well. It's
0: always with you, yep.
1: And as I was reflecting on my good fortune, I have a lovely uh, wife of 33 years, Megan. My daughter Kelsey's grown and has her own business. Actually, she's an entrepreneur. My son is actively and gainfully employed. Uh, I wanted to uh, shift my life and spend more time. Uh, devoting my energies to actually focusing on being a better human being, mm-hmm. not that I was a bad human being, and uh, giving back more to the community that's uh, the communities that have given me so much, whether that's my industry or whether that's our local community, friends, family, etc.
0: Tell us a little bit about the products at DI Holdings. And I know you also have uh, locations on both coasts. Fire yep. Mm-hmm. So we are the largest uh,
1: uh, maker of premium audio products in North America. We make loudspeakers under the brand names of Polk Audio and Definitive Technology. And just last week we announced a, a major acquisition and that was the acquisition of DNM Holdings which are the brands of Denon, Marantz, and Boston Acoustics. Great, great. And we have an automotive division uh, and that company's name is directed electronics and in Uh, that business we make vehicle security remote start systems under the brand names of Viper Clifford and others and those are sold our products are sold in over a hundred countries around the world we have something like 30,000 different outlets whether they are retailers, wholesalers, uh, independent dealers mass retailers like Best Buy etc.
0: Great and and so making those products, you're, you spend a lot of time with the sound and making that sound sound great. Um, so the music is kind of part of what you guys do, isn't it?
1: It absolutely is. and we, uh, we take great pride in our Sound United division that owns all the audio brands in the fact that many many of our key players, whether it's our head of engineering, whether it's our product development folks, uh, whether it's the marketing team, throughout our organization, you will find a lot of musicians. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we have several pickup bands, both here on the West Coast and in our facility on the East Coast. And uh, interestingly, uh, just learning about the new D&M group, they're full of musicians. Is that right? yeah. So we now have bands forming in Europe yeah. and Asia. <laughs> uh, it's great. And it's great to be working together because now we can put the source of the music Together with the output products, the speakers, and uh, have a complete package.
0: Right, right. What's what's in the in your role as CEO there? What was the what was the thing that you um, that got to your heart the most in that role?
1: I realized a long time ago. Uh, Art, uh, actually, when I was 14 years old, I I had my first actually caring about me in a business, and it was the. Uh, owner of a hardware store in West Mifflin, Pennsylvania. His name was Chin Levine. I was 14 and I was working for a dollar an hour. And I was stocking shelves. And one day he came to me and he said, Jim, I see you have a fertile mind. If you're interested, I wanna help you learn business. And he was amazing, actually. He showed me how to cut pipe, cut glass, thread pipe, do electrical fixture installations, how to order inventory, how to sell products. He just spent a lot of
0: time with me. That was at 14.
1: That was at 14. Oh, that's great. And, and really, I never forgot that. So um, I often, every, every month, I would hold an associate's meeting while I was running the company. Uh-huh. And I shared a lot of information, mm-hmm. uh, stuff that I probably shouldn't have, especially when we were public. But my feeling has always been, I never know who's going to be the next CEO. Exactly. It could be that person who just started with us and they're on the loading dock or in service or warranty or shipping. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know the name servant leadership until I met you. Uh-huh. <laughs> but my life was sort of full of examples of servant leadership that benefited me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always tried to bring a strong emotional quotient to, to my leadership style.
0: Right, right. Now, now you have been in that public world and you've um, gone into the private world as well and you've dealt with the, the, the VCs and uh, uh, everything in that um, and uh, you're still smiling uh, and that's uh, that's an accomplishment. Um, you have any advice for us for us leaders that are, are maybe in a public company or they're transitioning from that public world to a private world? Uh, what kind of uh, things would you give your leaders when they were going through that, transaction, that, that transition?
1: Yeah, th- that's definitely a question, Art, where I, I wish I knew then what I know now. Yeah, exactly. uh, because we were a private company owned by private equity, and we had ex- had some explosive growth and gotten up to nearly $500 million of revenue and um, over $50 million of EBITDA. So we were, went public on the NASDAQ in 2005. And up until that time, as the leader of the business, I spent 80% of my time on product development, marketing, and generally working with all the teams within the company. Mm -hmm. When we went public as a public company CEO, I quickly found out that 80% of my time was going to dealing with Wall Street, investors, bankers, lenders, and that was not a good use of my time. But at the size we were at, it was just what had to happen. Yeah. So I would caution anybody who's in that sub $1 billion kind of category that's going public to be very careful because it's hard not to become distracted, not just for the CEO, but for my leadership team. Exactly. And we had a few bumps along the way. Now We managed to uh, turn lemons into lemonade ultimately, but it was... Uh, a difficult learning experience, especially because we went public at the peak of the Sarbanes-Oxley uh, oh, yes. legislation. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for example, our audit fees as a private company doing the size business we said were $250,000 a year. Mm-hmm. After we went public, our audit fees were $2.5 million. Two and a half million. Two and a half million dollars. Wow. wow. And the accountants and the auditors really had a massive role in the business, and uh, that we just were not used to.
0: Any value added to the company from spending that money?
1: Uh, not two and a half million dollars. Not two and, uh, half, not half, yeah. two and a half million. <laughs> I, I would say we were already a well-disciplined company with strong audited financials, but um, in terms of controls, we, we implemented even more controls that, that made us compliant with Sarbanes-Oxley and learned a number of things that even after becoming a private company again in 2011, Uh, we've kept, and I think it's benefited our organization.
0: Yeah, yeah, great, great. So you mentioned servant leadership uh, a minute ago, and uh, you founded Forte for Children. So tell us the story of what led you to be the founder of that uh, charitable organization.
1: Happy to. Um, It all really kind of got started. I was with the company one year after uh, uh, taking over from the founder, Uh, now Congressman Darrell Issa and his wife Kathy and I was holding a Dealer Council in uh, 2001 in our offices here in Vista with about 20 dealers from around the United States and we had a television on in the back of the room Mm -hmm. the date of the Dealer Council was 9-11-2001 we sat in that room art together as business partners, as friends, and watched in horror as those horrible terrorist attacks unfolded. And we were supposed to be talking about the business, and none of us could bring ourselves to really get into business. We watched television all day long and the next day. And that inspired me to think about how horrible it was, and we had to do something. I didn't know what to do. So what we did was reach out to all of our suppliers around the world, all of our customers, uh, 3,000 customers in the United States, about 30 suppliers globally, all of our uh, local domestic suppliers of office supplies, and we said, we're raising money to help the victims of 9-11. Will you help? Well, we quickly raised about $115,000 in about two weeks. And we sent that to the Red Cross specific fund for helping uh, the victims. And that sort of started within uh, our team, the feeling that we can and should be doing more. Now, we always gave corporately, uh, but it was at a a certain level that we could afford under private equity ownership. that next year, our HR director took me to our local Boys and Girls Club in Vista, our hometown. He introduced me to a lot of the kids. I saw the great environment that they were in, the safe environment. And I had to go to the bathroom, Art. Oh yeah. I went to the bathroom and it was so horrible. It reminded me of the YMCA and McKeesport PA when I was 10 years old. And I thought, oh my God, we have to do something about that. So we organized, I, I, I enlisted our entire team who felt the same as I did. We had about 100 employees at that time. And uh, we held a charity golf tournament. Mm-hmm. And we ended up raising over $100,000 and we took all of that money and went in and not only, we didn't just give them the money, our teams went in, we hired contractors, we did the work ourselves and we redid those bathrooms. Mm-hmm. And that was so cool to see the little kids go in and it's clean and it's safe yeah, and it's, it, it, it was just awesome. And that was really the beginning of our, our desire as a company and my desire as a leader mm-hmm. to formalize that. Yeah. So we created our charitable foundation, originally called DEI Holdings Children's Charitable Foundation, ultimately being renamed to DEI's Forte for Children. Mm-hmm. And Forte, of course, has a meaning in music, which means... With, oh, emphasis, with emphasis, with That's emphasis, right? right. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially being in the music business, um, Forte um, just fit perfectly with us.
0: I love the F that you took off the violin. Uh, thank you. I love that. Thank, thank you me.
1: very much. Yep. That was designed by our chief design officer. That was, that was, Michael was cool. Michael cool. DeTulo, yep. yeah. Uh, so we, st- we organized a uh, not-for-profit 5013C. Mm-hmm. Uh, we continued our golf tournaments. Ultimately, adding in 2012 a gala uh, to our charitable activities, right. we did it through 2012 strictly with volunteers. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself, uh, uh, now your assistant Lisa, oh, yes. and yes. Uh, thank you very much uh, okay. for oh, for yeah. that servant so leadership sure. move there, yeah,
0: let, let you let you know, I uh, Jim's assistant uh, came to work for me uh, a couple years ago, maybe three years yes. ago, yeah. and. Uh, this is awesome. I, uh, in my servant leadership way, I had to, uh, I don't know, I, I, I think I showed some humility and maybe some embarrassment through that. But
1: uh. Oh, you certainly did. And yeah. Lisa uh, had decided that she was going to move on, so I yeah. had a little fun with that. Yeah. But then uh, we went on to build Forte, and uh, ultimately we hired one employee. And over the last few years, we've raised well over $5 million for local charities and oh. distributed over $4 million of that. And our goal is each year to try to put away half, which we don't do successfully because the need is so great, but then also deliver valuable funds to the Boys and Girls Clubs of a number of communities here, Casa de Amparo, Solutions for Change. These are local organizations that do great work with disadvantaged children. Mm -hmm. And we try to put a special emphasis on music education and therapy. We ask them to use at least 25% of the funds to, to bring music into the kids' lives. And, you know, the subject uh, or the theme of your your um, conference here, uh, the music of servant leadership, has just been a rifle shot to my heart mm-hmm. because it's what we're all about in our business. Yep. And now I know why you
0: invited me to speak. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Jim's passionate about that. Uh, You've, because of the business, you've been able to engage some very interesting people um, in your charitable work. Um, Franco Harris has been at your golf tournament and yes. just been a big supporter yes. of your gala. Um, share with everybody a little bit of his heart and why he's involved. Sure,
1: I'd be happy to. Well, having gone to Penn State uh, in the uh, late 70s, Franco was a Uh, two years ahead of me, so he was a Penn State football player. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, drafted and went uh, straight to the Steelers, so I admired him tremendously. Uh, But from afar, I didn't know him. And it was uh, a half a dozen years ago that uh, a local uh, company who was doing some marketing work for Franco's charity said to me one day, hey Jim, I know you went to Penn State and you're from Pittsburgh, would you like to play golf with Franco Harris? And I actually said, yes, and I'd like to meet the Pope, too, and I think that's easier, (laughs) right? right?" (laughs) So that led to a golf round with Franco, Uh and we became fast friends. Mm -hmm. He is an awesome human being, actually, after the NFL. He started a business of his own. He's one of the biggest makers of healthy donuts in the country. Healthy donuts 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 that they sell in large volumes to schools and institutions. But he gives back tremendously to the community, both in volunteer uh, appearances at things like our gala, Mm -hmm. but perhaps more importantly in what he does in the actual communities that he's connected to. I was out to dinner with him in Pittsburgh uh, uh, a few years ago, and I had a rental car. I pulled in and parked in the parking lot. They took the car, and after dinner, this gives you a good feeling for Franco's true heart. Uh We came out to the valet park, and uh, we gave the guy both our keys, and uh, he pulled up my car, which was uh, some innocuous Ford something, and up comes Franco's car, and it was about a 10-year-old Buick. Mm -hmm. And I said, Franco, where's the Uh Benz? And he said, he kind of waved his hand, and there were some kids around. He goes, hey, hey, I don't want these kids thinking that's what this is all about. And that just, it it was just a small thing, but a huge thing. A very humble guy and and a very giving guy. So, yeah, it really touched my heart. And one other thing, uh, very, very personal. Um, My mother passed away two years ago. And at age 92, there's not a lot of people left. Mm -hmm. And we had a viewing. And, of course, it was in the paper in Pittsburgh. We were there, and there were two people there with my wife and I. It was getting a little late in the evening on a Friday. And through the door walks Franco Harris and his wife. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to do that. Yeah. Right. It's just a reflection of the kind of heart that he has. Yeah. So he's been tremendously helpful to us and to many other organizations uh, giving back.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, Jim, share, share with us, when you started the Foundation Forte for Children, and um, he started started that work. work. What's What's been your biggest biggest surprise that has come come out out of that work? Something Something that you got got that you weren't expecting. Yeah.
1: Well, the the part that we expected and focused on was we wanted to give back, and we have given back, but uh, much as several of the speakers have mentioned here, the part that was an awesome and unexpected surprise was how much the work that we've done through our charitable foundation has given to all of us at DEI. When we're recruiting people today, very often, you know, we go through the usual thing. This is what the company does, and this is how we think about People and and caring about each other, mm-hmm. and then we end up talking a little bit about the foundation mm-hmm. and it's quite amazing at how many people when when it's a tough job market like it's becoming now choose us over some very big competitors yeah. yeah. um, there's some great companies here in San Diego um, yours among them, uh, but the large ones like Qualcomm and others who are, are also just great great corporate citizens but when they when the candidates see and hear what we've been doing and the pride that our people have as they meet different members of the team, it's had an impact on making people want to become a part of our family. Yeah, exactly. So it's just been awesome.
0: Yep. yep. Well, I'll share with everybody as we close here. The first time I visited Jim uh, in Vista in their headquarters, uh, I believe it was either in their lobby or just behind the lobby, was a wall full of pictures of, I think, your management team. Now, they weren't the traditional pictures of uh, a bunch of people in suits and, and, and dressed like, you know, we call them suits when they walk in the door, right? right. Yeah, suits. Um, it was pictures of the, the leadership team when they were babies, when they were younger. Children. Children. And uh, that was pretty I had a hard time picking Jim out out of the, out of the crowd. Um, but uh, it was a neat impression because I think what it left for me was... The leadership was open, and and to the vulnerability, uh, and letting people know that we're we're real and we're just like you. It isn't about putting your pants on. It's about I was that age, too, and we all children, and um, it it left a distinct impression on me, and I think that was pretty cool. Um, I've never I've never seen that in any other organization, in all the organizations I visit, I've never seen that anywhere else.
1: Yeah. Um, Thanks for sharing that, and and as you know, the child certainly lives on in all of us all the time. It's so true. Thanks for the chance to be
0: here. Yeah, Jim, thank you. We're looking forward to getting up on stage here in a little bit, but uh, thank you for spending some time with us and just chatting. All right? All right. Thank you very much.
1: We hope you enjoyed this conversation, and we encourage you to learn more about servant leadership and the services of the Servant Leadership Institute by visiting our website, At www.ServantLeadershipInstitute.com We're excited to announce the release of our latest publication, The Servant Leadership Journal, an 18-week journey to transform you and your organization. Written by our founder and CEO, Art Arter. The book is available now on Amazon or our website. And save the date for our 2018 Servant Leadership Conference, February 19th and 20th in San Diego, California. Thanks for listening and allowing us to add value to your day.